Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arter. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. I am already on the Zoom call with Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Present. (laughs) You brought me a present? What is it? What'd you buy Uh, me? I brought you the gift of another awful season eight episode. (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad to hear you say that before I am the one who inevitably says that. This is, oof, this is another stinker, people, but um, we, I guess we're kind of going to get right to it, huh? Season eight, episode 19, Boy About the House, which had an original air date of February 28th, 1987. <sighs> Title, probably a play on Man About the House, which is an English phrase and was the name of the TV show. That was the inspiration for Three's Company. And they also titled the pilot of Three's Company, Man About the House. And it was literally word for word, the same show. Like they, when you see, you know, adapted for American television, it's like they moved a comma. The fuck is that? But speaking of writing, this episode was written by Austin Kalish and Irma Kalish. Had these two people ever seen an episode of The Facts of Life before? Uh, Oh, they've seen an episode of The Facts of Life. In fact, she is an executive producer. 46 episodes in her IMDb. She joined at the beginning of this season and will be with the show through the end of the series. Uh, She previously had produced and written for Good Times, Too Close for Comfort, Oh, Madeline. In the future, she'd go on to 227 and Valerie. And uh, remember, she has written for this before. She is the one who wrote the two-part episode, Maud's Dilemma, in 1972. The abortion show, the big controversial Maud thing. That was her who wrote it. Uh, She has more producing credits than writing credits uh, versus her husband, who has more writing than producing credits. Uh, This is his first of four episodes uh, on the show, including... The last two, the the attempt to spin off Blair as the new president of Eastland co-ed school that really didn't take off. I wonder why. Um, I just wonder, how do you walk into an episode and be like, you know what? Nobody said, wait, Andy's lived in the foster. Okay. Anyway, sorry, getting ahead of myself. As the writers, I just wonder, like, nobody... Gave any pushback or nobody, any, okay. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't agree more because we have a major, major uh, retcon about to happen regarding the character of Andy Moffat. Um, but uh, just wrapping up Austin and Irma, Irma is credited um, with the same four episodes that she co-wrote with husband Austin, but she also was one of the four writers who wrote Where's Papa? The recent episode with Blair and her dad. Remember that had four writers? (laughs) We were like, okay, wow. Uh, And the episode was directed by John Boab. 
We've heard of him. Yeah. Are we ready for the synopsis, Matthew? Yes. Okay. Andy is caught stealing money from over our heads. We learn that his foster parents are splitting up and therefore he will be sent back to the home and instead he is planning to run away, hence the stealing of the money. We learn that he has foster parents. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. No, it's, it's fine. As the girls contemplate his future, Beverly Ann realizes she wants to adopt him. She applies and he starts acting bratty. Tootie calls him out on it, at which time he reveals he's been almost adopted several times in the past and something always prevented him from finding a permanent home. So he's basically self-sabotaging to avoid being hurt again. But no, no, nay, nay, dear listeners, this is not the only story. We have a B plot this week. One of the few, one of the rare, and one of the terrible. Blair is also... I put dating a new guy. They're not dating. Blair has a new friend. This friend happens to be a ventriloquist. And in the act of befriending him, Blair is hoping to appear with him the next time he is playing Langley. Blair commissions her own ventriloquist dummy named Jojo, who is the spitting image of Joe. And Blair agrees to dispense with Jojo if actual Joe changes her mind and runs a more flattering photo of Blair in their college yearbook. At the end of the episode, a social worker comes to interview Beverly Ann, and even though she is at first skeptical, she is soon won over and says she will happily be recommending that the adoption be approved. David, you will never write for TV Guide. Oh what? my God. This isn't a TV guide. This is a long form synopsis. Oh, God. Emphasis on long form. I told you that before we started recording. How dare you? For the love. Okay. <laughs> but now I am free. I don't have to stick with the word for word, line by line. Now we can just go uh, into, into freestyle, free form, letting it all hang out. So, oh. my first note this is one of the worst episodes not just for the awful retcon stuff, but also for the fact that it is just not funny. Did you laugh once? Did you even smile or smirk at anything in this episode? The only thing remotely cute was the the Joe doll that, that Blair pulls out. But it just, it's such a fucked up, B plot like a ventriloquist. Uh, uh, like I just I want to talk to the writer and be like, nobody said like what the fuck are you were writing this. <laughs> I like, think they were thinking that well, Beverly Ann adopting Andy. This is a pretty dramatic storyline. We're going to need something to counterbalance and really bring the comedy to balance it out. So, are you all thinking what I'm thinking? And everyone looked around the room and went, ventriloquist, done, boom. Uh, there's nothing worse than a ventriloquist. It just, <laughs> uh, I, uh, they're just. Uh, You're not a fan of Jeff Dunham? No. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> no. It, well, I'm not uh, a fan. I mean, I'm a fan of Lamb Chop, obviously, but I just, it. Uh, 
But that's not even ventriloquism. Does Sherry Lewis not move her lips? No, she doesn't. Okay. She's not she's not fucking Charlie McCarthy for Christ's sake. <laughs> I guess a she does. Ventriloquist on the radio. Mm-hmm. How how he pulled that shit off. I know like, it's so true. It's so and he was true. a terrible ventriloquist when TV came along. It was like, wait, he's yeah. full on moving his lip. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But Dana Gould has a joke where he says, words you've never heard any human say ever. Well, now that I've got my shit together, I'm going to start working on becoming a professional ventriloquist. (laughs) And I just I have several notes. Natalie in Battleship Gray, for God's sake. Let's put her in a a more flattering color. Hmm. And Joe is the editor in chief of the yearbook. What? The college yearbook? How are you going to find time when you are the overnight DJ, Joe, of the radio station? And when have you ever expressed interest in being anything that had to do with a yearbook? Like nobody around the the table was like, what? (laughs) In college, I did look it up because I'm like, do colleges have yearbooks? What is that? I looked it up and they kind of do, but it's not really done much anymore. The, because, you know, the, the student body of a college is so much more amorphous. It's so much more, you know, you're kind of more of adults and you're friends with people of different years. You're not in these insular classes with just people your own grade, your own age. So, yeah, college yearbooks really aren't a thing. And they are without question in this episode treating it as though it is like a high school yearbook. Well, and that's my question. And I, we didn't have this in my yearbooks in high school, but is it a TV trope? Like, or is it a real life thing where they actually put in a yearbook best personality, best, most congenial? What is that really a thing? Like, first of all, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> like, it, it, who's deciding who has the best personality suck my dick and <laughs> second of all like how awful just like no what i'm sorry i hated high school so just the yeah. idea of like adding that on top of it looking through my yearbook and finding a picture of some asshole that says most likely to succeed suck my dick <laughs> most likely to succeed Uh, But it it is a thing, yes, and it's just one further thing to put a greater divide between the popular kids and the the nerds, and uh, I don't doubt for one minute that it was, like, didn't we learn... Who is the celebrity? There's, like, some celebrity where, oh, his high school yearbook said most... Oh, 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 Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang on Saturday Night Live. Literally, in his high school thing, he was voted most likely to work on Saturday Night Live. I'm pretty sure. Because he was that wacky in high school. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, superlatives in the yearbook are definitely a thing where I know they are 100% not a thing. College. Stop it. Mm. You want to talk about our ventriloquist? Our special guest star? We can, as soon as we mention that he pulls out a ventriloquist doll and Tootie has to say, for some reason, the writers felt the need to have Tootie say, oh, you're a ventriloquist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. It is very well-known and famous ventriloquist Jay Johnson with his partner, Bob. You named your fucking doll Bob? <laughs> this is my doll, Bob. Hello, wacky. <laughs> oh, God. Who, of course, rose to fame on the TV show Soap in the 70s. And the funny thing is, on the TV show, he was also Bob. Jay Johnson played the role of Chuck. Chuck Campbell, son of Richard Mulligan, son of uh, Bert Campbell. Uh, I love, I'm obsessed with soap, you know. And uh, you've heard me say before, Bob was the same voice, the same comedic uh, device that Estelle Getty was on The Golden Girls. He was the character you could conveniently let say anything, be completely irreverent and off the wall and get away with it because he's ventriloquist dummy, just same way Estelle is, she's a little pruny old lady. She can say anything, how wacky. But Chuck is saying those lines, but Jay, is, it's a doll for Christ's sake. It, well, I okay. will tell you, what one of the reasons why this does not work here and why it, it did work on Soap. Soap was brilliant because everybody on that show was crazy. Everybody, probably the least crazy would be uh, Catherine Damon's character, but everyone else was crazy and they all accepted each other's crazy. He worked because he was he was like one of the family. He was just the, like a little bratty brother. And and that's what is missing here, where it's like, so Blair, you just let this guy come into the house, huh? So. The, the one good connection is that we know Blair is a ventriloquist. We know it's a party trick that she has pulled out of her ass. Uh, that was season five, episode 18. That was three years ago in the episode Big Fish, Little Fish, where she was worried Joe was becoming more popular than she. Um, so we know she has a history of ventriloquism. We know Lisa Welchel used to do that as part of her act when she was a kid to get noticed. and. Uh, so, but Blair has never, ever, 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 ever implied that she had any desire to perform, perform with this that would necessitate her befriending this dude. And Blair, you know, Blair's not that kind. Blair's not a performance artist. Blair is a graphic artist, or at least she was until they abandoned that also about three years ago. Um. We do have to at least give props to, I have, I have these notes saying show Bible good, show Bible bad, show Bible good, show Bible bad. The fact that at least we have seen Blair be a ventriloquist in the past, I have to give that a show Bible good. Everything else about that is terrible, but um, okay. yeah. That's one good show Bible thing. <laughs> Now, you talked about the, the that Joe was on the... Did you already say something about Joe with the radio station? Yeah. Like, is, is she, like how is she going to have time yeah. to be on the radio all night? Because she, clearly she's the third shift radio person. Mm -hmm. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Again, nobody at the writing, nobody at the... The tape, nobody at the table read. Like, Joe is the... And I guess maybe as the actor, that's not your job. You show up and you read the lines and you go the fuck home. But uh, I just feel like somebody should have been like, w um, w wouldn't this be a Natalie thing? Like, I mean, sh wasn't she on the 
Okay. Yeah, Natalie was the, at least the journalist who wants to be a writer, which is not quite the same as a yearbook editor per se. Um, honestly, that would have been more of a Blair thing. That would have played into her graphic thing, into well, her and, drawing and painting. And the whole point is that Joe is going to use a terrible picture of Blair. Don't you choose what picture goes into the your yearbook? Like I, I chose what picture went yeah. into my yearbook. Uh, yeah, it's there's always the candid pictures in every yearbook. Those yeah. are always there, but it's like Blair, you that would have been that's one picture of probably multiples if you are allegedly as popular as you are presented to be. So, no, you're you're not wrong. There is this this whole yearbook thing is awful. And uh, the one show Bible good thing I have to acknowledge is when the girls come down and say to Beverly Ann, we want to adopt Andy. Oh, shoot me in the face. <laughs> that awful moment. At the very least, Natalie says, when I'm at Senor Sombreros, Tootie will look after him. When Tootie is at school, Joe will look after him. When Joe is at the radio station, uh, Blair will look after him. And when Blair does whatever Blair does, then I'll look after him. At the very least, we're acknowledging Senor Sombreros that Tootie does go to school, that any of them go to school and have any other commitments other than sitting around the fucking living room. What, do they shut the store down? They found Andy stealing. The next scene, they're all in the living room. Do they close the store? Well, they walked <laughs> in to have a conversation in the middle of an empty store. So <laughs> when Andy decided he wanted candy, that's when... They went into an empty store in the middle of the day. So, okay. You're right. Nope, you're right. So, uh, but, so but, speaking of Andy stealing, Andy stealing while everyone's in the room. Yeah. Just, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, they all turn around and he's like standing there literally with his hand in the till, for God's sake. It's yeah. like, okay, all right. I mean, I've never stolen in my life, but I would know not to do it while eight people are standing in the room staring at me. <laughs> it's true. No, you're right. It's that thing of if it's not on camera, it doesn't exist. So because we couldn't see it. And uh, yeah. And the only time the two storylines connect is it is the ventriloquist dummy that says, so <laughs> the kid's got his hand in the cookie jar. It's like, okay. Um. So next week, by the way, I did watch ahead for next week. I do have written down for this week's show. What are their majors? They are going to graduate in in just, a, it's, it's the end of February. Like they're going to be graduating within months. They are in their final semester of college. What the fuck are Blair and Joe doing? We've never, ever heard them talk about a major, what they are majoring in. The closest with Joe is that she's spending all these fucking overnights at the radio station. We know Joe isn't going to, you know, isn't going to an Ivy League school to be a goddamn disc jockey. So my thing is like, wait, you want to take on a kid when you are about to graduate college? Where are you going after that, Blair and Joe? You planning to stay in Peekskill? Well, we know they do for another year at least. But uh, the, well, this... Beverly Ann does mention that, that like, you know, she you, does. What's going right. to happen? when you guys go off, but no, you're totally right. You're right. Uh, but the thing is, and next week we do have finally Joe saying, yeah, I got to start looking at these books and figuring out what my major is going to be. 
And it's like, really, girl? Didn't think you needed to do that about uh, two years ago? No? Hmm? Well, we know whatever Blair's majoring in, it needed a gym credit her senior year. Oh, my God. Yeah. And whatever Joe is majoring in, it didn't occupy enough of her time that she couldn't take a fucking ballroom dance class. Yeah. (sighs) Who are the Anderson twins? Uh, uh, Horny Andy strikes again when he uh, is when they're trying to get out of him. Why are you stealing from us? The the sitcom lying and even Mackenzie Aston, who was better at it than the others, it's still pretty painful. Yeah. He says, uh, there's a kid at school. Yeah. And he's bullying me. And uh, he has a video of me and the Anderson twins. Of uh, of what? You fucking twins? What? Right. Th- what would you be doing with the Anderson? Assuming they're girls, maybe the maybe maybe. Well, I googled mm. the Anderson twins, and the only thing that comes up is a pair of male twins <gasps> that sing that are jazz um, saxophone players, but they weren't born until like the late '80s, so it's not. I don't know who the Anderson twins are. Well, it's like when Fonzie used to say, you know, I'm getting together with the Spicoli sisters. You know, the idea that it's that thing of I'm such a stud that sisters want to fuck me simultaneously. You know what I mean? That's that's what it is. And, you know, clearly it's Andy telling a tall tale, but had to be colored with horny Andy, making it about a 13 year old having sex with. Twins, they're nothing, never, never not funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, show Bible bad, the thing you talked about earlier, this retcon. We, We need to once again state for the record, Your Honor, Andy has always referred to his parents. In the past, they have said, I need to call your parents. And I get it where... Foster parents, sometimes you you do refer to them as your parents because they are for all intents and purposes. Uh, What happened to the grandmother? What happened to the sister? We know they mentioned a sister picking up the phone and listening in on the other line. I think that was when he had a crush on Tootie and got embarrassed and then wouldn't return the calls. So, uh, yeah. And, And then to add to this, uh, complete disappearance of the grandmother, the conversion of his parents into foster parents, and the absence of the sister. He also says, I've been in four foster homes in the last six years. Has he? Uh, well, he dropped it like it's something we've always known. My foster parents are splitting up. Like, uh, back up. T- foster parents? Like, yeah. let, alone, leave, let alone the splitting up part, foster parents and and nobody like even bats an eyelash at at him saying that. So the fact that he dropped it like we've always supposed to have always known that he had foster parents was it's just I just again, nobody at the at the table read was like foster parents. What? <laughs> I'm adopted. Like Andy found out he was adopted this weekend, but he wasn't adopted. He's an orphan. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And remember, okay. his grandmother told a story of when he was a toddler. Remember? She said the story about uh him. Uh I told you not to play in the dirt. And he came yeah. inside covered in mud. So I told you not to play in the dirt because I didn't. I was playing in the mud. Ha <laughs> ha. But she was like, I think it was like when he was four or something, when she she remembers that story. So it's like, well, we know the grandmother's in the picture, but you know, she's too busy with her figurines. She can't raise her grandkid where her parents, where, where her children have failed. Yeah. Cause we don't know what happened to the parents other than what we've been saying. Yeah. Died in Edna's edibles fire. You'd think we might've, he might've mentioned being shipped around to four different foster homes all in peak skill obviously <laughs> yeah and his parents dying when the place burned down might have mentioned that but you know <sighs> now show bible good natalie does mention about her being adopted at which point beverly and is like oh my god that's right i forgot yeah so did the writers apparently maybe that was the thing at the writer's table where natalie was like you know my character is adopted um <laughs> Maybe we might have had a bet a different bond between Andy and Natalie if, if, if that had at all been his story since the beginning. Mm-hmm. But since it's not, since it's all new material, I guess. <sighs> okay, again. Yeah. And then Beverly Ann is like, that's right. Uh, how, how did your mother and you deal with whatever kind of a thing? How did your mother, what... And Natalie, of course, aside from saying, well, um, I was an infant. And uh, when you adopt a a baby, it's like being a regular parent where you got a baby for the first time and you figure it out as you go along, just like every other human being on the planet. You just didn't have the extra little time together of (laughs) carrying the baby. (laughs) Well, and we're, we're to assume it is the next day. After Andy has, after she's told Andy, they've had a very sweet scene where she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to call and adopt you. Mm-hmm. And the next and Andy's being a dick and she goes, does it get any easier? It's literally the next day, Beverly Ann. <laughs> yeah. Him being does a little it get brat. any easier? No. And <laughs> to answer your question, no, it does not get no. any easy but jesus christ does it get any easier and she's like i was gonna go to the dolly museum in new york if you've seen one melted watch you've seen them all and she indicates to her wrist she's not wearing a watch <laughs> i just have so many and i'm maybe it's because i'm just cranky but i have so many issues with this episode i can't even begin well let's add another one to the pile then matthew please when Joe announces that she is now the editor of the college yearbook, Beverly Ann says, oh, I still have my college yearbook somewhere. I know. I Jesus <laughs> Christ. What the Wait, fuck did you what? pack and bring? What? What did you pack and bring? But no, no. Beverly Ann, where the fuck did you go to college that you don't? have a i mean i'm aware some women go to college like secretarial college and then when they get married they stop working to be a housewife to be a homemaker to be a parent full time i mean there's nothing wrong with that but okay so when your husband frank left you and devastated you beverly ann 
what did you study that you might have maybe gone back to that might have been the, the work as opposed to driving cross country and maybe or maybe not taking over the partnership of your sister's store? We don't really know what the financial arrangement is. It's <sighs> a lot. Yeah. Oh, and if Blair works really hard, Matthew, she will get to appear with Jay Johnson and Bob the next yeah. time he plays Langley. The next time yeah. he comes back around on his world tour and gets to yeah. Langley. You're graduating, Blair. Yeah. You are fucking graduating. The assumption on the part of most people is you will not still be in the town from where you graduated college, unless you're going to go to grad school. Uh, anyway. Mackenzie Aston is wonderful. This is a turd burger of a script. Yeah. And the fact that he has to play the drama and then play the brattiness and then play the um, impending disappointment and stuff. It's asking a lot of him. And I think yeah. he really does rise to the occasion. He's fine. He's, I, I, again, I have zero problem. Well, I have some problem with some of the choices made. Like that stupid boxes bit at the beginning, the boxes falling. Yeah. Like that, it was just a bad prop. Like how the wind blows and they all implode from the inside like watching the boxes like kind of bounce up like clearly somebody's under that table pu pushing the table up so it, that was just poorly executed yeah. but um but you can no, see I, I had very yeah. my big problem was just the writing of this episode i mean you're changing the the trajectory of the sitcom, not just of this episode, but of the sitcom by making Beverly Ann and Andy mother and son with no background and nobody at the table was like, um, there's got to be a better. I mean, we didn't feel the need for her to adopt the four girls. Why do we feel the need for her to adopt this boy? Like, why can't it just I, I just I just. I, I had many questions about like, and mainly it's just why I, and. Uh, well, um, I will give them this. It gives them more of a reason to always have Andy around as opposed to him visiting and popping in. And we know we agree. Have they run out of reasons in the past three years? I know. I know. I mean, I we just accept it. We just like, we're just accepting these five grown women are all living in a, two bedroom house together <laughs> and they've set up a room for him down by the boiler okay what about the room where monica stayed where other people have quote unquote stayed when they've been at the house remember monica comes down ah oh, i'm always so relaxed when i'm in the country because she's not in manhattan anymore but it's like like back at eastland it's like where the fuck did cousin jerry stay where are people this isn't a goddamn hotel and really, there's nowhere else in this house where he could stay. Apparently not. But yeah, we know later yeah. in next season that they're going to close the store to renovate it, to create a bedroom for Andy and Pippa. Where the fuck does Pippa stay? 
I don't even remember. You realize coming into the Pippa, I don't, I do not even remember Pippa. That's going to be a new discovery for both of us. Which is, we should let people know it's been harder and harder to find guest stars because when we tell people we're in the post Mrs. Garrett seasons, <laughs> a lot of the people that we ask to be on are like, oh, I, I, I know. Thank you. I'm I good. I never Thanks. watched. I didn't watch it that far in. (laughs) It's true. And two things, there's that. And I feel guilty. I don't know whom I dislike enough that I would want to. I I want to invite people on the podcast because I like them and enjoy them. I can't subject them to the shit. I can't make them watch this. No. Especially when we have all this history to discuss because they'd be like, what? That's the thing. It becomes, and and to have new people on at this point in the series, it becomes, every episode becomes, okay, Andy is the boy next door. I know. know. Oh, Beverly Ann is the girl. So we're trying to avoid that as well, we should say. Um, But he's, you know, uh, Matthew, he's the son of John Aston and Patty Duke. Who? <laughs> okay, Garen. Garen uh, Jones. <laughs> but so, no, you're 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 totally you're dead on. This is that's absolutely right. And it's also we don't want it to become an like a a weekly podcast of us shitting on the show for God's sake. Because it still is an enjoyable episode to watch i mean if if you're not dissecting every word that comes out of their mouth and holding the the show bible up every time something happens it's perfectly enjoyable show a little 80s sitcom to watch to drop in on it's Mm -hmm. perfectly enjoyable but it's just when we've been tasked with like watching every episode and watching them make choices that you all you can do is just go what (laughs) then then it sounds like we're just doing nothing but shitting on it. But yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, so. I don't like this either. I don't like that. We don't like the show more at this stage <laughs> of the game, <laughs> but we uh, have got to address. Um, I think that needs to be the final episode. We need to definitively take a, take a stance on what episode this show jumped that shark. Like oh. we we like we need to reveal to each other our our opinion on when that show this show jumped the shark because I'm be still tough. not sure if it's done it yet but but this might be the episode for me oh if I I'm think being oh honey the shark is so far behind us is it oh my oh oh it is so far behind because there are still some favorite episodes in in season seven and season eight no you're right because 62 pickup 62 pickup last week was glorious that made me happy at the core of my soul and so i mean i i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve judgment until we get through every single episode but I just anyway, <laughs> but let's let's get into the lore of of the production of the show is they talked about in the early days, they were trying to make Beverly Ann another den mother character like yeah. Edna was. And they realized that was not working and they were trying to make her kooky and flaky, but telling Cloris not to play her too kooky and flaky. And somewhere along the line, they were like, well, we have Andy. Uh, the first thing that Cloris did with this show was Facts of Life Down Under, 
where she and Andy were literally together the entire movie. If that was not uh, parent child, like if Facts of Life Down Under had run after this episode, I don't think they would have had to change anything other than Andy's uncle. Remember, Andy has an uncle who wanted him to learn about yeah. sheep farming. Yeah. Forgot about the uncle. Shit. But the idea was this was the the honestly to give something to tether Beverly Ann to the store, to the place. Cause why couldn't she just jump in her Winnebago and go somewhere else when she says, oh, okay, this is yeah. much as I like, you know, selling bongs and dildos from under the counter uh, at the Spencer's gifts. I may or may not be a co-owner of. So this was to try and further bond the cast and give her more to play. Now a new mother, a 60 year old new mother. Yeah. So yeah, that honestly, that Andy is being brought in more permanently doesn't bother me, but it's like, they, no. there's no reason they couldn't have. And I get it. It gives them another dynamic to play with Andy and Beverly Ann. I mm -hmm. get it. But that, I mean, that could have happened without them adopting him. I mean, you know, I mean, what's wrong with my parents are joining the Peace Corps and <laughs> moving to Africa. <laughs> we accepted that was just going to happen. Sure. So, Why not? Uh, Why not? But, you know, my dad was transferred to another, got an amazing job in another city and I don't want to go. And it could have been, well, let him stay here for the, and then go home for the summers. It's, you know, and, or have it be, you know, and when we're not looking in on him, the grandmother's down the way. Cause his grandmother lives a couple of doors down and clearly lives alone. That was the grandmother's house. There was no talk of the parents being there. I, okay. We got to stop. We got to stop. <laughs> all this is happening. We're writing in a ventriloquist character. Do we want to meet Andy's foster parents? Do we want to cast them? Nah, nah. <laughs> let's never never meet those people let's okay. who's, this, who's playing the ventriloquist this week Ugh. yeah <laughs> oh Christ. you did you you hit upon it rewrite to send in the time machine matthew <laughs> his father jay johnson and his mother would had a female we could have had a female thing and that's when it's like going on the road oh when i said my parents i meant my dad and you know the ventriloquist dummy that he calls his wife because, you know, Ugh. my mom died all those, you, you know, my mom died in childbirth, you know, and all that. But anyway, uh, so this moment before the commercial, we have to the amount of mushy music. That's the word I have for it. When Beverly Ann hits upon the I want to adopt him. It's it is borderline melodrama. The way Beverly Ann says Oh, girls, you're going to be moving on. Andy doesn't need that. You know, Andy needs stability. He needs someone who has time that they can devote to him. They need someone who is like me, like this light bulb. And then he comes in the room and she says, Andy, I love you and I want to adopt you. And he says, you do? And she says, with all my heart. And the audience Oh, mm -hmm. and then to just make sure we punctuate the schmaltz factor, we have a slow pan across the girls 
all looking on lovingly and awing as the mushy music plays. And then we go to commercial. And oh my God, I'm like, I, I, I'm glad you had your insulin pump on, Matthew. That's all I have to say. Yeah. It was a very sweet scene. Oof. We need to talk about Facts of Life alum, Gene Sincere. Gene Sincere. You gotta be, you gotta be sincere. You gotta, gotta, gotta be sincere. Bye-bye, Birdie fans. Anybody? Anybody? Yes, she is the one who plays Dorothy Newell, the woman coming in to check on the house. And the trope of, oh, I'm in my best clothes, and Andy, you're in a suit, and be sure you you act polite and pretend you want to be here. And, oh, we have tea every day, and take him to concerts. And I'm lying about all this shit to put forth the facade that this will be a good home for him versus the truth that this will be a good home for him. And it's like, uh... <laughs> but yeah, Jean Sincere previously played Mrs. Solomon in the ballroom dance episode where Natalie was teaching. Uh, I think she called it jazzercise or something or aerobics or whatever. She was teaching some type of an exercise class for uh, older women of a certain age. And uh, yeah. that was Mrs. Solomon. That was season seven, episode 12, uh, which was about a year ago. Oh, my God. Uh, not a year from when we recorded it, a year prior broadcast oh. wise. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, she comes in to the house and Jay Johnson and Bob walk up and she says, is this Andy? Looking at the ventriloquist dummy. And then she says, no, this is Andy. And thank God, at the very least, they had her pull out and put on some glasses. Like, okay, even how, how nearsighted are you, lady, that a person walking up with a fucking puppet and you're like, is this the 13-year-old boy? That, uh, and where was Tootie to go? No, it's a ventriloquist doll. <laughs> okay. At which point the social worker should have said, and we're done here. Goodbye. And walked out the door. (laughs) Um, We don't know why Joe is being such a cunt about this yearbook photo. She just has the stuff laid out there. And Blair is like, well, that's a very unflattering picture of me. And Joe's like, yes, it is. And Blair's like, well, you're not going to run that. Yes, I am. It's like, what? why yeah it it was just unnecessarily mean if she had said blair there are 14 other pictures of you including the one that you submitted and posed for and had retouched this is just one of 14 i'm not changing now because these are the final proofs going to the printer you know what i mean at the very least she could have had there being some type of a time deadline and blair this isn't that fucking important you vain bitch and you're so organized, Joe. You're just sitting here at a dining room table with all these like pictures and things laid out in front of you. Like oh, this is, I bet, so perfect for the editor in chief of yeah. the. You know exactly what you're doing. And doesn't Andy come over and fuck with them at one point, like just as 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 a you know physical bit to do, like while he's talking? That you know the way you'll 
you know, shuffle a stack of papers if they're there. Doesn't he kind of pick up some of the pictures and sort of stack them? I feel like at some point Joe should have walked over with, don't touch that. At this point, my eyes had rolled back so far into my head. I just, I (laughs) could see your brain. I had rolled my eyes so much. I could see my own brain. Um, So then expressing just another moment of note, Blair expressing how happy she is that Beverly Ann is pursuing this adoption. She has a a sock puppet in her hand. We haven't revealed Jojo yet. She has the sock puppet in her hand. And Blair says, I really don't think I could sleep at night knowing that somewhere out there, our Andy, dear little waif that he is, was standing in line in an orphan asylum, holding up a bowl for porridge. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you in the voice. And the puppet starts singing Annie, not Oliver, not food, glorious food. How much did they pay for that? I think just enough to not have to pay. Yeah. (laughs) Like Cinderella, Cinderella. La, 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 that's kind of mana. (laughs) So when she does reveal Jojo, it's not a ventriloquist dummy. It's a hand puppet with an obvious string that she has to pull that we see her pulling the string to make the mouth move. If they went to the expense, trouble of making this little puppet, why didn't they just use a v- actual ventriloquist dummy? They exist. You can buy pre-made ventriloquist puppets and then doll it up to look like Joe. But, it, you know, and so it's like that that's not a ventriloquist thing. Did you think that was weird too? Of, of all the things that was like, probably the least thing that I found weird about this episode. So, mm. I mean, it, I mean, it's again, <laughs> I know it's just throw your hands I up, whatever. Noticed, I noticed more that Joe had her hair pulled back in a ponytail for the first time in a long time. than yeah, I noticed that it wasn't a ventriloquist doll. True. Uh, uh, so Mrs. Newell does kind of do this sort of setup like, well, uh, I'm going to quote the episode here. Perhaps you shouldn't get your hopes up. Uh, truthfully, in a situation like Andy's, where a child has been shuffled around so much, we must make sure that he's provided with the best parenting possible. And then the girls advocate for Beverly Ann. Some of this is cut in syndication. But when they say Beverly Ann's a good person, blah, blah, blah. At one point, one of them says, uh, I think uh, Blair says, she's very capable. She runs the household. She manages the store. Does she? I thought you all shared the chores. And uh, I don't know who the fuck is managing the store anymore. That's been a big question mark for about three years now. (sighs) But anyway. Joe says Andy needs love and a good home and Beverly Ann can give them both. So Mrs. Newell is just like, eh, well, I'm not sure I'm convinced. And then Andy starts to leave to go out the door. Beverly Ann's like, well, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going out. Well, where? Out. 
I overheard the conversation. I know the adoption's not going to happen. I heard what the lady said. And Beverly Ann says, I don't give a flying fig what she said. You've been getting away with murder and whether or not I get to adopt you, it's time you learn to be responsible. Now get back up those stairs and do your homework. And Andy pauses and says, yes, ma'am. At which point Mrs. Newell says, wow. Now I think you can be a parent. Now I do. Fuck balls. That was amazing. Yeah. I now have a lot of good things to put in this report. It's probably going to happen now. Mrs. Stickle, bravo. Up until now, I thought this was just completely awful. But now I seem to be a bitch (laughs) to him. Yeah. Yeah. This has convinced me. As we call it, discipline. Yeah. But yeah, it's... uh, And then her exit line, a flying fig. And then she walks out the door. That actually gets a laugh from the audience because they're so fucking desperate for anything. Even in the neighborhood of funny. It's like a flying fig. It's like, why didn't she just say a flying fuck? Huh. So then at the end, Somebody says, probably Andy says, Beverly Ann, you were terrific. And she's like, I was, wasn't I? And he hugs her and he says, it's really going to happen this time. And as she hugs Andy, she says, well, what do you know? I'm going to be a mother. Mushy music. Mm. Aww, from the audience. And we fade to commercial as we dab the tears from our eyes. But there's no like episode coming up where like the adoption becomes official or anything like that. Are we just to assume like it happened and now they are mother and son from now on? Yeah. Next week. It's this is my son. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's calling her mom at that point. But oh, yeah, she's because next week is when Frank, the ex-husband, comes back. So, uh, yeah, I think she calls him her son. Well, we'll see when we get there. But Oh, yeah, this. Uh, we, we were already prepared for the awfulness of having to so dramatically change the backstory of a character with Andy. We were already prepared that that was going to be terrible. But I forgot what uh, what a shell of crap this turd burger was packaged in. Oh, my God. I just, I really want to know like how that, how that, how the story meeting went. Like nobody in the room was like, wait, Andy's, no, wait, Andy's foster, foster, what? Like Andy found out he was adopted this episode. How did, how did, how did Mackenzie deal with that at the, at the table read? Was he like, wait, I'm adopted? Wait, what? Yeah. I've been on this show for five years. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. All right. Next week, we find out Tootie isn't black. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, a Goshen. Yeah, it's like they could have had my, okay, my mom and dad have to go back into witness protection because the peak skilled drug lords found out their secret identity. <laughs> You know, the ones that sent Edna out of town to the, I'm making air quotes, Peace Corps. Yeah. 
I, I, I just, I, I'm not sure what else was at their disposal, but to play up that, not just that they're his foster parents and, oh yeah, we've known that a long time, but to have it be that he lived in an orphanage or a youth home yeah, and now he would be sent back. Foster parents. And he's been through four in the past five years. Like, okay. Wow. So then his parents gave him up for adoption five years ago. Like they took an eight year old to the, okay. But again, where is the sister? Where is the grandmother? Where is the uncle? Where are these other people that are allegedly relatives of his? But it's, yeah, it was pretty awful. And that's why we didn't have a guest this week. Mm. Uh, dear listeners, you you certainly can see why. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be discussing season eight, episode 20, called X Marks the Spot. This is where we meet Frank Stickle, played by the wonderful Dick Van Patten. And uh, yeah, the link to that episode is going to be in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And uh, that wraps up another week, doesn't it, my darling? Oh, it does in more ways than one. (laughs) Anyway, we hope you enjoyed last week's episode and uh, we hope our joy and enjoyment of uh, watching 62 pick up and getting to talk to Diana Eden again. Uh, We hope we hope that was enough to carry you through two weeks because we we can't bring you nothing this week. We we got nothing. So on that note, we thank you for listening. And look forward to having you back next week. And remember. The fact, oh, oh, sorry. Well, I would say the facts of life are all about you, but the facts of life can be changed at any whim of a rider. So (laughs) I. The the facts of life are always changing. They are our alternate facts. Hopefully we've given you the good and now we're giving you the bad. I it's it, we've warned you about this since the very beginning. True. And true with the with the theme song. You take the good, you take the bad. We didn't know how bad it was gonna get. I guess yeah. we forgot. I yeah. I, I said it was gonna be a slog. And Matthew, I think we haven't seen the worst of it yet. Oh no, we have not yet. No season nine. Oh wow. I guess instead of the facts of life are all about you, we're just going to say, hunker down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And goodbye. We love you. Wah. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>